0: to or be a witness to so I had somebody like that uh in my life and you know uh, I knew them from when they were in youth and um they just they didn't want to serve God and they were they were rebellious but I would see them we would see them you know at at birthdays and different gatherings and stuff and I would try to be a witness and try to you know say things here and there but they were always really hard and the last time um we were together uh somewhere it was a uh Oh, maybe like three years ago or something, and we had a really good conversation. And I thought I was getting through, and you know we were making a connection and everything. And then, uh, then the next day, I wanted to jump on. I said, "Well, let me, you know, try to uh, talk to them on Facebook and add them and everything." And, and then I got nothing. I got rejected, and you know you feel that little sting, like oh, you know, an embarrassment. And but then I just put it in God's hands. And then recently, um, kind of like uh, what Pastor Joe is sharing about an old friend of his, recently, out of nowhere, you know, I get this uh, friend request, and I get a message, and, you know, they, they're asking me for advice, and then they're telling me, hey, you know, guess what? You know, I gave my life over to the Lord, and, you know, I got right with God. And I'm like, oh, wow, praise God. So, you know, it was a, it was a real blessing. And, and then, you know, I, um, they told me, you know, since I'm getting right with God, you know, I want to— I want to give everything, and I want to quit smoking, you know, and I shared. I I wrote uh, something for them, and and I wrote a prayer and prayed for them. And then the next day, you know, they said, oh, I I, I got a breakthrough. And then after that, then they said, you know, I don't even have a desire to smoke anymore. So I just praise the Lord um, for his goodness and, you know, that that he can work and, you know, just to not be discouraged and to just keep being a witness and just uh, not to be embarrassed, just to keep going with it. And the verse is from luke 15 and verse uh verse 10 it says in the same way i tell you there is joy in the presence of the angels of god over one sinner who repents so we just hold out for that so i'd like to to pray today thank you lord we just thank you for bringing us together god we just thank you for this church that, that loves to reach out, that loves the lost, that, that has a heart for sinners, that just has open arms like the Father waiting for people to come back out. And we just ask that you continue to, to encourage us, to, to, um, to remind us, Lord, to, to be witnesses, to share the gospel where we are at work, at school, and our family, and to not give up, to keep praying for them. And we just thank you, and we pray that you're going to uh, reach souls during this service, reach the nations, and bring in the harvest in Jesus' name.
1: We sing from the highest stone from the highest stone to the earth below you lay down your life for the likes of us, great is the love of the Savior. From a wounded heart to a life made whole, every human heart will declare as we see out. Great is the love of the Savior, Lord of endless your glory shine forever. Saw the earth, we saw the earth, we sing your praise. From oh, mountain, from the mountain heights to the valleys low, all created things if the light like to show Jesus, we live for your glory. Sun. But from the rising sun to the still of night Every waking moment for your delight With Jesus we live for your glory we Lord of endless light we'll let your glory shine forever We saw the earth, we saw the earth, earth. we we'll sing your praise Above every heart, let your name be lifted higher, it's all our hearts, it's all our hearts, we we'll sing your praise, we sing, God be exalted, God be exalted in everything, your we live for your glory, live for your glory. I'll be exalted, I'll be exalted in everything. Because we live for your glory, live for your glory. Come on. The Lord of endless light, we'll let your blood shine forever. We saw the earth, we saw the earth, we'll sing your praise. Oh, are we have let your name be higher. All our hearts, we on our hearts, we sing your praise. God be, we sing, God be exalted, God be exalted. Come lift your voice. We live for your glory, live for your glory. God, be exalted, God, be exalted In everything yes, sweet Live for your glory, live for your glory We'll sing Lord. Oh, Lord, how endless life Let your glory shine forever So the earth and all the earth will sing your praise hope oh. And hope of every heart Let your name be lifted higher And all our hearts, and all our hearts We sing your praise and God be, We sing God be exalted God be exalted In everything as we live for your glory Live for your glory oh, and Sing God And God be exalted God be exalted In everything As we live for your glory Live for your glory Lord of yes, I let your glory time forever, it's all the earth, it's all the earth, we sing your praise, and hope of every heart, and let your name be lifted higher, it's all our hearts, it's all our hearts, we sing your praise. We shout a praise in the house of the Lord today. We we'll sing glory to you, God. such a strong God, oh, never fail, never fail, and you call me, Lord. To the fatherless, defender of the weak, freedom for the prisoner, we sing. Father, father to the fatherless, the defender of the weak, freedom for the prisoner, we sing. This is God. In his holy place, this is God, both in love and strength. Sing out, lift your voice and cry out. awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. Sing out. Sing out. Your voice and cry. Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. We'll sing. you with us in the wilderness. You're with us in the wilderness. Faithful to provide every breath and never stand. We You're with. You're with us in the wilderness. God. Every breath and every step. We sing. We see. This is God in His holy place. This is God clothed in love and strength. Sing out. Lift your voice and cry. Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. And sing out, raise your hands and shout out. Awesome is our strong God, mighty is our God. Sing out. And sing out, lift your voice and cry. Awesome is our strong God, might is our God. sing, up, sing up. raise your hands and shout awesome is There is no higher, no, there is no greater, no, there is no stronger than our God. Let's lift your voice. There is no higher, no, there is no greater, no, there is no, greater, no. There is no stronger. over your heart right now. Feel the Holy Spirit just shifting the atmosphere. Come stir our hearts, Lord. Oh, strong God, we invite you. We invite you. Strong God, come stir our hearts. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit come It's your presence Lord, your presence Your presence, God. I'm <speaking in> still <Spanish> Our hearts. We want You. We want You, strong God. You come with heaven. You come with host, Fill this place with Your glory. Fill this place with Your power change lives change hearts he's coming for you he's coming for you oh the lord is coming for you take heart take heart he's coming he's coming for he's coming for his bride he's coming alone he carried the cross for all of my death he paid the cost salvation complete now forever I'm free Calvary Savior alone, he carry the cross for all of my death. He paid the cross. Salvation complete, now forever I'm free. The Calvary covers it. Don't count anymore. And all praise to the One who has ransomed my soul. The Calvary covers it all. The power, the power on earth, not even the grave can separate us. See and grace is faithful to save always, blood never fails. Come on, sing out. The Calvary covers it all.
2: because of what took place on Calvary. You have covered all of our sin. Father, you have covered all of our shame, dear God, that goes with sin, and you have made a way for us to receive eternal life. You've made a way for us to have relationship with you this morning, and Father, we thank you that in this place it is so evident that you are here. We thank you that this morning you made a way, dear God, and you are present this morning, and you've met with us here. At Metro Praise International, we thank you, dear God, because you are faithful to us, dear God. You never leave us, nor do you you forsake us. And Father, your word says that though we have not seen you, we know you. Father, we've never seen you with our earthly eyes, but we know you deep down in our spirits. And because of that, we are filled with inexpressible joy, dear God, that cannot be compared to anything else in this world. Father, we thank you for the joy that there is in your presence. We thank you for the peace that there's in your presence. Hallelujah. We thank you for the freedom that is in your presence. Come on. If you're excited, come on, right now is the time to just worship him right now, to just jump in. Come on, thank him for what's happening in his presence. Hallelujah, Father. We thank you. For be broken right now in your presence we thank you dear God that there's healing in your presence oh hallelujah come on want want you join with me one more time as we worship just sing with me come on I want you to pray in the spirit right now we're gonna break through we're gonna break through these walls that will try to oppress God's church not just here but all around the world I want you to press in I want you to press in, press in this morning, because God is present. He's here, he's listening, he's, his eyes range throughout this room, seeing whose heart is truly committed to him, who really believes and stands upon his word. He, come on. God's word tells us to stir up the gifts of the spirit. That's what we're gonna do this morning. God's word tells us to pray in the spirit on all occasions. Come on, It's a ba 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 Oh in the name of Jesus. Come on, the devil is a liar. We come against lies of the enemy in the name of Jesus. We come against deception over God's church in the name of Jesus. He said Oh Father God, we let loose truth this morning. We let loose, dear God, the truth that we are found in you. Our identity is found in you. For those who are going through trials this morning, for those who are facing a battle before you, just know that God is with you. He's walking. He is fighting for you. And with great trial, with great battles, come great victories. Come great victories. Come great testimonies to glorify God with. So don't grow weary in doing good, for in the right time, you're going to reap a harvest in that area of your life. Hallelujah, Father, we take that word, and I just pray for a strengthening in the body of Christ, dear God. We would be empowered, dear God, in our personal time with you, in our private time with you, that we would be little blaze for you and when we go out into the world, Father, we would let the world see us burning bright for you. Father, I pray for just a season of victories, dear God, that every lie that the enemy spoken over your church, Father, would be exposed in the name of Jesus. Every obstacle and every hindrance, dear God, comes down in the name of Jesus. I pray that us as your church would rise up, dear God, would represent you everywhere that we go. Father, because of what you did on that cross for us, you are worth it, dear God you are worth it. So we give you glory and honor this morning and we ask that you would have your way. Have your way in the lives of your disciples. For those who don't know you in this church, I pray that they would get to know you today. In Jesus' name. Come on, give him praise one more time. In Jesus' name. And everybody stand. Amen and amen. God, you are good. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining with us. Please greet your neighbor and find a seat. Ooh, God is so good. Hallelujah. I want to take this time to preach the gospel to you. All the children can be dismissed. You could find your way to the back. Your Sunday school teacher is waiting for you. Everyone else, please open up in your Bibles with me to Colossians 3 13 through 14. The gospel meaning good news. There's good news for each and every person in this room. There is a Savior, and his name is Jesus. The Bible says in Colossians 3, it says you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Amen. So one thing we can see in this passage is that each and every one of us have trespasses We have done something against God and that's called sin. But God made a way for us that when we come to him, we believe in Jesus Christ. We can be forgiven of sin and be made alive in Christ. Without Jesus Christ, we are all dead on the inside. Our spirit is dead. We do not have that place with God. We are dead in our sin. But when we cling on to what Jesus did on that cross, he wipes away the sin. He makes it right because he took the punishment for that sin. Sin demands payment because of God's law. And Jesus said, I will step in and I will take their place. He says he took it on the cross for all, each and every person. There is not one who is except from this. There's not Jew and Gentile, There's no difference. Every person can come to Jesus Christ, but it's your choice to come. All are called, all are called into this relationship with him, but few are chosen because few choose to put their faith and their trust in him. Don't be that person this morning. Receive mercy, receive the grace that is found at that cross. There is power There is power in what Jesus did for you. So if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, today is the day for you to be saved. Be born again. Receive the life that he has for you. And all it takes is one step of faith. In Him, Amen. If that's you and you want to be saved, we're going to have some prayer workers right here in the front and they want to pray with you. They want to walk you through this prayer of salvation and teach you how to grow and how to walk as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Amen. So please stand to your feet with me this morning. We're going to pray. I want you to stand in agreement with me and maybe if you are already saved, I want you to just begin to think about those people in your life who are not saved whose sin has not been wiped away. And so when they face Christ on Judgment Day, they will not have a place in God's kingdom. So as we pray for those in this room, I want you to also keep in mind those who are not saved in your life so that you would be able to bring this message to them tomorrow on a Monday morning or throughout the week. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news that there is, dear God, that there is forgiveness of sin found in you, Christ Jesus. I pray, dear God, that if there's anyone in this room who doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, today they would be convicted of their sin. They would not be settled right. Inside in their hearts, dear God, and they would know that the peace can only be found in you. I pray for born again spirits and disciples to arise in this church, dear God, that they would get connected and trust in the vision that is here at this church and be sent out into the world to carry this good news all around the world. We thank you for what you're doing, dear God, and what you're about to do. Have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. God is good. So, right now, yes. What we're gonna do is recite our confession of faith. This is our biblical worldview. This is what our church believes and stands on. We're gonna recite this with power, with passion, and very, very loudly. All right, I wanna hear you guys. So on the count of three, one, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. God is good. Take some time to meet somebody new. If you need prayer, our prayer workers are right up here for you.
1: Distant hearts begin believing Redemption's bid is un-
3: All right, who's excited to be at church this morning? Make some noise! Clap it up for Jesus! Give your neighbor a high five. Tell them it's good to see them here. Woohoo! It's wonderful to see all of your beautiful faces. If this is your first time, welcome. Keep on coming back. For all of you guys who have been here before, keep inviting your friends and your family. We welcome you all this morning to Metro Praise International. Our services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m., that's, for our, that's our family service for our King's kids, children, infants to 11 years old. So they're learning about Jesus in the back there. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. That's our Elevate Youth Service for students 11 to 18 years old. That's where our teenagers gather together to just live for Jesus and win their friends and their high schools to the Lord. Our vision, strategy, and goal here at MPI is very important to us. We put all of our heart and passion into what God has called us to do. And this is these are the instructions he's given. We have a vision, we have a strategy, and we have a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. How many of you guys like that vision? Do you guys love God and love people? Come on. Our strategy is to connect you to our life groups, to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books and then to send you out to do evangelism. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. Who wants to be a part of that? Come on, it's time to get connected. So we want to connect you to our life groups. That's the first phase of our strategy. I want you to look at the back of your handout. That is our schedule for this quarter. If you have not uh, visited any of these life groups or have become faithful, Make that your New Year's resolution. Start out 2016 saying, I'm going to connect through the life groups at MPI. And here's a snapshot of what's happening this week. Starting today, we have our single mamas. Come on, make some noise, single mamas. They're meeting today. God's doing awesome things in their lives. Child care is always provided at that life group. At 5 p.m. is when they're going to get together. Wednesday, we have our King's Kids Life Group. That's for infant to 11 years old. Here at the church, 6.30 every week, bring your children here. That's where they're going to grow. That's where they're getting discipled. They have the awesomest uh, teachers and leaders pouring into their life, learning about the Word of God, memorizing Scripture. Thursday, we have our gang outreach every week, 18 years and up, 7 p.m., rocking it out for Jesus going into the most dangerous neighborhoods and streets in this side of Chicago and God is showing up and God is going to continue to show up and bring revival through that ministry. And then every week on Fridays we have Bible studies for you guys. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Vivid's house. 18 years and up, 7 p.m. If you're an adult that's where you want to be. We're going through the Truth Project this first quarter. Tough questions, awesome conversations that are being stirred up in people's hearts. It's an awesome place to be. You want to feed your Throughout the week, be a part of fellowship. Kinonia. Somebody say kinonia. Okay? Fellowship, being a part of the church body. So we want you guys to connect. Somebody say connect. Then we want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. We have a Welcome to Your New Life leaders ready to take you through that book, get into your life, help you along in this journey. You're not called to live for Jesus by yourself. If you have questions, you need prayer, you need help, we have leaders ready to be there for you and with you and just do it with joy and passion and living for God. And then we have a 201 class where that you will graduate to. That's disciples that make disciples. And every Sunday morning, there's a class with Pastor Jared. And every Thursday evening, there's a class with Pastor Ellie. And this is where you continue to grow as a disciple, where we train you to be a leader one day, to eventually become a deacon in the church. Because we believe that every believer should be a leader. Because God hasn't called, didn't just save us just to save us by ourselves and to come to church and warm up that one seat. He saved us to start a revolution in our communities and our workplaces, and he called us to set us on fire to go win people around us. And if we're only thinking about us, us four and no more, we won't won't reach the world for Jesus. How many of you guys want to win Chicago for Jesus? Come on, get mentored. Then we want to send you out to do evangelism. And on Saturdays from 5 to 8 every week, our warriors are out there in the freezing bitter cold. Okay. Get trained. Every life group has a form of evangelism. This is where you get trained. Be around the ones who have been seasoned, who've been doing it for a long time. And don't be scared. God said, fear not. What are we going to be afraid of? Not answering somebody's questions. Just tell them Jesus died for them. And if they don't get right, they will get left with with the fear of God in your eyes, with compassion in your voice. Go out there and give a reason for the hope that you have. Get trained. And I just want to like really just Uh, blow up Uh, where's Catherine and Daryl are they in here they just blessed my soul last time I was with a marriage uh, the marriage life group Uh, Catherine just shared with me how you know they you know their marriage is awesome and they're both doing their separate ministry things but they wanted to do something in ministry that they would grow together in. come on give it up for Daryl and Catherine awesome power couple I just gotta brag on them for a second and they decided that for them to grow closer in their marriage this year, they wanted to pick a ministry that they would be faithful to and do it together. And guess which one they chose? Evangelism. Come on. They have three kids. He works full-time. She's a stay-at-home mama. Busy, busy, busy. But guess what? In the midst of everything they do throughout the week, they said, we want to get stronger in our marriage to honor God, to give him glory. We're going to go evangelizing every Saturday. Come on. Give it up for Jesus. Jesus. Uh, Vision, strategy, goal. Say it with me. Vision, strategy, goal. Vision of loving God, loving people. Strategy, connect, mentor, send. Goal, 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. How many of you guys know we got a lot of work to do? Come on. We need laborers. Laborers into the harvest field. I'm excited. I am so pumped up today. There is a powerful word coming for Metro Praise International today. Who's excited to give tithes and offerings? Come on. We get these lessons from the Disciples Giving Book. I'm going to read this slide in just a second. We have 52 lessons in the Disciples Giving Book. We're on lesson four today, but we want to remind you guys every week, really teach it from our heart that our tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly and faithfully to the church. It's not the leftovers. It's the first thing that comes out. And then we give our offering to missions and building, Various mission projects throughout the year, pa- we give out Bibles to different nations, uh, just blessing. Anything that comes our way, we just bless people through that mission offering. And then our building fund is to purchase the new band equipment, which we'll get into in a little bit. So let's turn to our um, Section 1 of the Giving Book. We are in Lesson 4. You can follow along on the screen, or you could go to givingbook.org as well. Lesson 4, the tithe is relevant for today. The tithe is 10% of our total income given to God faithfully. We're going to be reading Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Here are the two main points. Number one, Jesus commended the Jews for tithing. The Jewish leaders were rebuked for many things, but being faithful in tithing was something Jesus complimented. That's a good thing, but God wants us to be balanced. So it's not just about giving our money and then living like the devil Monday through Saturday. Our money will not save us. It's living a balanced life in Jesus, following his commands wholeheartedly, fully, with everything in our being. So the Jews were rebuked for not doing the latter But they were commended for tithing, so they had that right. But we can't do it out of a heart of religion. It has to be through relationship. Number two, tithing by itself is not all God wants. God wants more than just our wallets. He also wants our hearts. We should practice both tithing and justice, mercy, and faithfulness. It's not either or, but rather both and. God wants a faithful people, people that are separated and holy unto him. And it's every area of our life, everything that, um, that, that we touch, that we're involved in, God wants that. And the summary is this. Jesus was concerned with people giving their best to God in tithing, and he wanted people to be full of love for others. Therefore, we should do both today as well. You guys want to do that? Let's apply this. Number one, be faithful in tithing. Number two, don't hide your disobedience behind giving money. Be sure to both tithe and be obedient to all of God's other commands. You guys with me on that one? Let's be a church that lives that out. Let's confess this together on the count of three. One, two, three. The tithe was implied with Cain and Abel, revealed to Abraham, established in the law of Moses, and is still relevant for today. It comes with a blessing and curse. It must be qualitative, a priority, and a faithful practice in our lives. The tithe advances the kingdom of God, tests our maturity, breaks the attitude of greed through obedience, is mandated for all, and brings us into partnership with God and his church. If that gets you excited, please stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare to give God our very best to honor him. The Bible says that this is also an act of worship. Giving our tithes and offering is an act of worship to the Lord. So worship is not what we do in the beginning of service where we just clap our hands and sing songs. This, too, is an act of worship. Following God's commands is an act of worship. So, again, tithe is 10% of our total income given regularly to the church. We designate our offerings towards two different places, missions and building. And I just want to remind you guys on the envelope, please be very specific of the amount that you want to go towards each each designated place so that we can make sure it goes where you want it to go. So there has to be a specific amount on the envelope for tithe, missions, and building. Here are four ways for you to give. Number one, in the bucket during the offering up here in the front by the altar. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes in the back. Number three, in the back with credit or debit card with Pastor Griselda. And number four, online with Chase QuickPay, Pay, PayPal, BillPay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. How many of you guys are excited about all those options? Come on. We make it very convenient for you. This is our mission offering um, budget or plan for the year. New band equipment. I know if you're not on the worship team, you still got to be excited about this because this whole thing is going to be rearranged and transformed. We're taking it to a whole nother level. So number one, pray, ask God what you should give. Number two, listen to the Holy Spirit. Be obedient. And three, give generously, even if it's more. If God gives you an amount that you know there is no way you can do it, that's probably God because he's going to show you that with him all things are possible and you have all year to watch him show himself and have him show off in your life. Let's recite this verse together. Philippians 4.18 And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your abundance, your abundant love, your abundant provision. You go above and beyond to provide for us, to care for us. And I pray, Lord God, that we in turn as your children, that we would trust you, that we would remain faithful to you, oh God, that we would give to you all of our finances, all of these tithes and offerings that you request. But most importantly, God, that our heart would fall in line with you oh god that our 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 path that we take god will be pleasing in your sight i pray that you would bless the gift and the giver this morning bless and prosper your people and i pray for abundant provision over all that you've called us to do to win chicago and to win the nations for you to plant 50 churches here to plant 500 around the world in jesus name and everybody said amen and amen please come forward as you give give the lord a hand clap and we thank you for your generosity and for your support. Days.
2: Fix my eyes, follow any ways. Forever free and unending grace.
4: Man, let's give it up for Jesus! Whoop, whoop! Come on, come on! We got the overflow section right here. We'll be expecting some amens. Woo! Open up your Bible to John chapter fifteen. If you're ready, somebody say, "I'm ready." Amen. If you guys are on my Facebook page, you know that I asked for your prayer for today because today is going to be such a powerful message. It's such a joy and an honor to share my heart with you, and I never take it for granted. But on my Facebook page, if you're not my friend, you should be my friend, okay? But I put this up, and I want to start off here as we get ready to go into our sermon series on Chosen. I want you to listen to this that was on my heart yesterday, which is uh, normally the day I go over again what I've prepared throughout the week to preach. And I want you to hear this from my heart because it's so important for today. Our, our sermon series for the year Chosen is about us being chosen by God to do great things, to bear fruit for the kingdom, to be all that he called us to be. And when we come to this church every week, you hear our vision, strategy, and goal. You know, we made a new slide for this year so that you could get it in your heart. And what I have done as a pastor over these last few years is dedicate myself to this. As a matter of fact, there's never been a time when I've been in Chicago pastoring that this was not my focus. from day one. We actually have people in this church that were a part of my wife and I's home Bible study. Jessica's in the back with the children, but Salvador Castellanos, would you stand up, please? Let's give it up for Salvador. Amen. And if you have joined the 101 recently in the month of January, then you are our most recent disciple. So you have someone that was with us before the church even started when we were in a home Bible study. And if you have just joined with us this month, you are right on time because you are at the best time to be a part of what God is doing. So my point is from beginning to today. And unto the end, this has been my heart, loving God, loving people, making disciples that make disciples, connect, mentor, and sending, and having a vision that I could dedicate my life to, 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches, 500 around the world. And so yesterday I came up uh, kind of with a, a dilemma And I called it my dilemma, the pastor's dilemma. How do I preach one message tomorrow in both Sunday services that capture my entire life mission without my passion overshadowing the whisper of the Holy Spirit in people's hearts? You see, how do I share with you what I am most passionate about? I am more passionate about Christ and being His disciple than I am about being a father and a husband. Because without being a disciple of Christ, I cannot be a good father and a husband. Hello? This is everything to me. This is everything to me. How do I do it to the point where you don't just think you heard a guy that really loved his job and you don't forget to hear what God is saying is your job? How do I celebrate the great things that God has done in our midst here in this church with over 80% of our people involved in discipleship? The national average is somewhere around 20%. My friends, congregations all across this city and nation are sick. Sick. I'm telling you, the congregations, many of them are sick. Big numbers doesn't mean great health. You can have a tumor grow fast and big. That doesn't mean it's healthy. You can have a belly grow fast and big. Doesn't mean it's healthy. Sometimes the best things in life take time and development like your muscles, like your mind. It takes time. So how do I celebrate those things without forgetting to tell us there's higher heights to go to? We can't live in the past. How do I speak to each one of your hearts? Literally, how do I speak to each one of your hearts without exposing personal things you've shared with me, either at the prayer time, at the end of service, in the fellowship time, or at my house? How do I do that? Because I have to make it personal to you today. There are many of you that need to get offended by this message. There are many of you that need to get bothered by this. Many of you. Not just a few of you. There are many of you that need to sense that something's not right. And others of you need to be encouraged because how do I encourage those who are giving it their all and yet tell them there's more and they don't feel like they have to burn out? Because there's others of you who are doing everything that God is asking you to do and you don't need a rebuke today. You need an encouragement to tell you there's more to do. But I don't want you to hear that more to do and say I'm going to burn out instead of burning up for Jesus. How do I let you know today that everything... In my heart isn't here because I'm selfish but it's of God how do I do that because if today you just think that this was about Pastor Joe building a church then you miss the whole point and I just feel like throwing this microphone down and going out to the lakefront today and preaching the gospel are you listening to me because it's not about Joe building a church it's not about more people coming to hear me speak It's about fulfilling what Christ commanded us to do. Are you ready for the message today? John chapter 15, I know you are, and I'm so honored that you're here. We are in a sermon series called Chosen, reminding us that we are chosen of Christ to do great things. We are going through the vision of our church and the the strategy one by one. We started off by talking about the overall call of being chosen in the first week of January. Then we talked about loving God. Last week we talked about loving people. Everybody say people. People. And then today we're going to talk about Connect, Mentor, Send, our strategy for discipleship. John 15, if you're there, can you say I'm there? Here Jesus is talking. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you servants. Friends, everybody say, Friends, thank you for everything I learned from my father. I've made known to you, Jesus was our friend and still is. You did not choose me. Here we go for the sermon title. You did not choose me, but I chose you. This is about Him, and I appointed you that you might go to church on Sunday and do nothing. Is that what He said? That you might just join a choir. No, what does He say? That you may go out and Bear fruit. I chose you. I appointed you that you may bear fruit. That is what today's message is about bearing fruit for Jesus. Fruit that will last. And so. Whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Who is he giving this ultimate prayer, uh, this blank check of prayer that whatever we ask, he'll fill out and do? It's the one that's bearing fruit for the kingdom. God hears their prayers because they're praying according to his will. So whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Everybody say, love each other. Love each other. Thank you. When we look at what we are here to do as disciples, we are to accept our calling and to bear fruit. You are commanded to bear fruit. Every single one of you, you cannot come to this church and say, I'm not supposed to bear fruit. You are commanded to bear fruit. You are commanded to learn the teachings of Christ and to go out there and teach others. When Jesus walked this earth and he made disciples, what was his first message to them? What did he say to Peter? What did he say to these fishermen on the seaside shore of Galilee? What did he say? Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Mm, I'm so excited. That was the very first thing that Jesus said. That was the very first thing. He never confused it. He never baited and switched you. He never said, hey, I got a lot of goodies in heaven. You want to come to heaven? Oh, and by the way, you're going to have to work. No, he said from the very beginning, I've got some fish for you to catch. I've got a hurting world for you to heal. I've got people that you need to reach out to. Come, follow me, and I'll make you. I will make you. He will do it. You won't do it yourself. I will make you a fisher of men. He also said in another place, whoever is my disciple will know the truth and the truth will make them or set them free. Everything that has ever bound you up, everything that has ever held me back from being a fruitful disciple of Christ is not his fault. It's been my unbelief. And the thing that Christ is saying is, do you believe I can make you a fisher of men? Do you believe I can make you free? Hallelujah. How many want to be free? How many want to set other peoples free? Other, how many want to be a revolutionary for Jesus? Viva la revolution. Amen. This is the revolution think about it come on be honest with yourself think about it. in all the strategies Jesus could have chose to change the world of all the methods Jesus could have done upon this earth what was his method to change people's lives discipleship discipleship the god of eternity who made the universe Came down as a man and chose 12 disciples. And then from those disciples, he made new disciples. And then he sent them out to make other disciples. What do you think we should do? Who do you think we should be? Should we just be believers, like make believers, like But Justin Bieber has believers. Shouldn't we have those believers or whatever they call them and just come to church and just make believe? Well, I just make believe in this. I make believe in that. No, we shouldn't just come here and say, I make believe in God. Because there's a lot of people who make believe in their gods. We should be true followers. The word disciple contains the word discipline. You discipline yourself. And then listen to what he said to them. Take up your cross and follow me. There is going to be a cost to this thing. It's a cost. There's a price to pay. I think about my life as a disciple and all the different costs that I've paid along the way and listen to me friend every one of them has been worth it because Jesus is worth it all Jesus was worth my 20's and not going to spring break at Panama City Jesus was worth me being sexually pure Jesus has been worth me losing my friends Jesus has been worth me taking on a church plant and growing it slowly and rightly he's worth all the fame and the fortune he's worth it all Woo! come on somebody Jesus and I think about the disciples and how I've gone through different phases and you can think of it too when I first was called to serve God I was 18 years old and I could relate to John in the Bible the youngest of them he is the one that was always the closest to Jesus at the Last Supper he lays his head on Jesus's chest he loves Jesus, but yet he's so radical that when people in a city don't want to receive Jesus, he says, Jesus, should we call down fire and destroy them all? And I relate to that. I would have been right there with him. I'd be like, John, that's a great idea. I said, great, ask Jesus. Ask him if he wants to call down fire. Because these men remember the story of Elijah. They remember the story of God's judgment upon Egypt. And they're saying, here's the Messiah. Here's our king. They rejected him. There's nothing but punishment left. But they forgot about the age of the gospel and the age of preaching the gospel to all the world. They were ready for Armageddon to come then. And their mindset, eschatology, and their end times mindset, eschaton means the end thing. So in their eschatological mindset, it was Messiah comes, judgment comes. So Messiah's here, judgment comes. But they didn't picture that the servant of God would have to suffer before he would reign. As I like to say, Jesus came to conquer our hearts before he came to conquer the world. And so I relate to John. But now I'm not John. See, now I'm 39. I, I turned 39 last week. I'm like one year away from 40. I can see it just right down the road. It used to be so far away. Now it's like just another block over and I'll be 40. Listen, I now see myself as Peter. Peter was older than Jesus. Peter was older than Jesus. Just get that in your mind. Though he's God of eternity, but when he became a man, he grew up as a man, and so he had the features as a man. And so here is Peter. He's older than Jesus. He has a family. Jesus never married. So Peter has obligations to a wife and kids. And so now you see Peter, Peter's really hesitant, though he's bold, but he's hesitant to do the things that Christ wants him to do because Christ is going to go die on the cross. And he's thinking we're going to go kill with Jesus and rule and reign. And so when Jesus says he's going to die on the cross and Jesus taught them to carry their cross, he's thinking I'm going to die on the cross. If they're they're killing you, if I'm your follower and they're crucifying you, what do you think they're going to do to me? Now you might understand a little bit why he denied Jesus in front of a schoolgirl. He didn't want to die. He was afraid for his own life and sometimes I can see that in my own life that, that now as a Christian and all these things that God's given me, sometimes I take these things and I make them idols and I say, I can't give these up for Jesus. You see, but... God understood that he gave us families. He gave us children. So if he asks us to die for them in eternity, we get to enjoy them forever. But if we trade our families for him here, we never get them again. This is only the time we have. And Peter ended up becoming a great martyr for Jesus. He repented of that. Christ restored him. And so I can see that I can, also, I can look at all my life and I can go, yeah, there were times I was like John. I was radical. And then there was times like Peter where I kind of denied what God wanted me to do to save my own skin. But I always see Christ remaining the same. He's still saying to me, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men i'll make you a disciple joe come follow me and so i want us to watch this quick little uh video here to prepare your heart for the message because i want us to understand today church is not about anything less than making disciples disciples is the heartbeat of jesus and we shouldn't get confused by what the world offers us we should see this as our true calling discipleship Come on, somebody say, this is church. One more time, this is church. See, this is what it's about. I am sorry if some pimping pastor has told you something else. I am sorry if you read in a book and you got confused about something else. This is church. This is your obligation. This is what Christ has commanded you to do. You have been commanded to do this. I want you just to look at this picture here as I put it up. I want you to think about this. If we do not go out and plant these seeds, who is going to do it? If we don't go out and do this, this is discipling, planting those seeds, who is going to do it? Put it in your mind right now, a farm. Think about a farm. God made the ground, did he not? He made the seed, did he not? He made the sunshine, the clouds that bring rain. He made it all, didn't he? But will those plants, will those corn stalks grow unless a farmer plants those seeds? No, they won't. Somebody has to plant the seed. Somebody has to stop caring so much about themselves, their selfish desires, their self-reputation, their self-preservation, and start caring about somebody else that they will actually share the gospel and preach what Jesus said and did. They will take time to study, to learn, to understand it so they can share it. They won't make excuses. They won't let the busyness of this life, the worries of this world, they won't let the bobos of entertainment deceive them. They will actually care about sowing seed in people's lives. That's discipleship. It's going out and preaching and making disciples. You have to ask yourself, did Jesus care about what he did? And does he care about what you do? Do you think he took serious what he did? Do you think Jesus was pretty serious about what he did? Come on, think about it. Do you think Jesus was serious about what he did? Are you serious about what you're doing? I want you to think about this as we get into this message today, about what discipleship is and what does it mean. When we think about discipleship, we're talking about imitating the person of Jesus Christ. Discipleship is imitating who? Everybody say Jesus. Remember last week we talked about the difference between a how and a why. I don't have time to review this today. You can review it over our past messages. But a how thing is is the function and it's knowledge that you learn and discover by science. And why has to do with purpose, knowledge learned and discovered by revelation. Man can discover through science how babies are born, but only God can reveal to man why babies are born. Does everybody get that? Now here's the thing that we need to learn when it comes to discipleship is why do we make disciples? Why is this so important that we do it? Why should we take serious what God has spoken to this church? It's because First John 4, 16 through 17 says this. Now, I want everybody to get this. You're going to hear something that you are not going to want to believe. Some of you are hearing it for the first time or just you forgot about it. Some of you are not going to want to believe this. You are going to be tempted to believe a lie, something that disagrees with this. And I am here today to tell you, when you hear this last statement, when you hear it, anything that tells you otherwise is of the devil should be rebuked, treated as garbage, and cast out of your life. Are you listening to me? And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Did God love us? Yes, for God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God. That's why our vision, Connect, Mentor, Send, come, uh, it's our strategy, Connect, Mentor, Send, comes from the vision of loving God and loving people. That is the heart. Are you with me? We know that God loves us because God is love. So now whoever lives in love, whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how we know. How do we know? This is how we know love is made complete in us, that we may have confidence on the day of judgment judgment how do I know God is love and that his love is in me and that I'm confident to face him on judgment watch this how do I know because in this world we are like Jesus in this world we are not like Lady Gaga we are not like Oprah Winfrey we are not like Joe Osteen. we are not like anybody you've ever met we are like Jesus we're like Jesus I'm not here to compete with some church down the road that's telling you to be like somebody else. I am here to teach you to be like Jesus. You are here to be like Him. If you want to be like somebody else, I invite you to go study under them. This church, from day one, has always been and will always be about Jesus. And Jesus' business is making disciples, and disciple-making business is good. Period. That's all Jesus is about. That's why he died on the cross. Those are the people he's talking to in your Bible, written to disciples. You wouldn't have a Bible unless somebody said, I'm tired of being lazy, sleeping in and being all about myself. Somebody had to say, I want to live for Jesus. And they wrote down Jesus' words. And those disciples, ladies and gentlemen, died for Jesus. Is he not worth your time? Is he not worth your giving up of something? Is he not worth you getting out of your comfort zone? Is he not worth all that he requires? Is not he worth it? Jesus, you and I are to be like Jesus. Jesus is the center of my life. Jesus needs to be the center of your life. Every mother, every father, every marriage, every home, every job, every community, Jesus. Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's what it's always been about. So why do we make disciples? Why? Because man was created. You were created to display God's image as a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's why you were created. You weren't created just to make some money, to have a nice job, to have a family. You were created to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. When your money is gone, when your job is gone, when your education is gone, when your family is gone, disciples of Jesus Christ remain forever. Everything will pass away except Christ and his word through his people. You look at your life. Is Jesus shining through your education? Is Jesus shining through who you vote for in politics? Is Jesus shining through your children? Is Jesus shining through your church participation? Is Jesus shining through all your friendships? Is Jesus displaying himself in your marriage? Is Jesus displaying his love and glory through your job? Is Jesus touching your community? Is Jesus touching your children? It's all about Jesus! You and I are to be in this world like Jesus. What an honor that he would call us friends. What an honor that He would say whatever my Father told me, I'm telling you. I'm telling you what my Father told me. And this is what He wants you to do. He wants you to bear fruit. Get up off your holy backside and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. last longer than your car. last longer than your job. last longer than everything you think is valuable here. It will last and it will bring God glory glory hallelujah that's what it's about that's what we about here we're not about anything else this is not a club this is not something where you're hip and you get to belong to this is not something that should could be confused with what you see in hollywood this is and will always be about jesus and the discipleship that he taught so it's, it's all about that's what separates us That's what makes us unique as Christians, and that's what makes MPI International. That's what makes us unique, is that we have the best of worship. Thank you, Adam. We have the best of children's ministry. Thank you, Pastor Susie. We have the best of teaching. We have people with their master's degrees. We have the best of preaching. Praise God. We have the best. We have the best. But we humble ourselves and preach in storefronts because we won't dance the tune of a backslidden, lukewarm church. We said we'll start our own. We'll start it in a house. And we'll say this is what a church looks like. This is what disciples look like. We'll preach on corners. We all preach on corners here. Every single one of us. Why? Because Jesus preached on corners. That's why I preach on corners. I don't need to prove anything to some lukewarm sissy preacher. I'm on a corner because Jesus stood on corners. He stood in marketplaces. He lifted up his voice. He was mocked by the multitudes because he loved people. He couldn't keep his love to himself. He couldn't keep it in a synagogue. He had to bring it to the highways, the byways, the least of all creation and say, I love you, I love you, and I love you. That's why we preach. That's why we go to high schools. That's why tomorrow I'll be at Wright College because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worth it. He's worth the mockery. He's worth the shame. He's worth the small storefront building. He's worth whatever us pastors have to pay. He's worth people coming and going. It doesn't matter. We will stay. We will remain if others don't. We'll find ten more to take your place. Listen to me. We will find ten more that are more radical, more dedicated to you if you don't want it. Why? Because this is what God told us to do. There is no discussion. There is no further debate. This is where we set our feet down. This is where we make our stand for the discipleship of the nations. Hallelujah. I'm so excited. Now you know why my prayer was. How do I not let my passion overshadow the whisper of the Holy Spirit? Because I don't want you to walk out of here and say, oh, I better be a disciple now because Pastor yelled at us. No, no, no. You be a disciple because Christ spoke to your heart. And that's why, as I see Jason, he at Wright College, uh, excuse me, Columbia College, did a worship conference and a concert there at Columbia College. That's what a disciple does at Columbia. I look at another one of our college students, Lawrence, did another worship night at their college last year. Two colleges. We're given the gospel in their auditoriums because of what disciples are doing. You see, to compare a disciple to a normal church-going person is like to compare a Navy SEAL-trained warrior to a child with a Nerf gun. Yes, you both have something that shoots something, but you, that child and that Navy SEAL are totally different. And I am tired. Listen, everybody, look up at me. I am tired of our pastors sending babies to battle the devil. I am tired of watching us get our butt kicks all in the media, all over this city, watching our children turn to gangs and drugs. It is about time we show the devil what it looks like when a about it bouted disciple steps in his territory and takes back all that he stole from us. We take back the schools that he stole. We take back the politics that he stole. We take back our families in Jesus' name. Devil, I will meet you on the battlefield. I will meet Goliath there with my God. Doesn't matter how big our culture is. It doesn't matter how much sin is in our culture. All generations have known sin before. The gospel came out of a time of great iniquity in the Roman Empire where homosexuality and lesbianism was rampant, where pedophilia was rampant in their military, where corruption was all around, racism between the Jewish people and the Samaritans. This is where our gospel was birthed, and we gave our lives. Our brothers and sisters, your heritage, more than your countrymen of a nation, your heritage of Christians who you will be with for eternity. They, my brothers and sisters, were just like you, but in their generation, they said, I will give it all for Jesus. And that's why the gospel went around to the Roman world and brought a Roman empire to its knees. Because disciples said, We don't just die, we multiply. We will put 10 more in the place of one. Right now, the underground church in China grows exactly like you see in that video. They don't have buildings, they don't have notoriety, but they go and they preach and they teach and they meet in barns and they meet in fields and they meet in homes. And the gospel is spreading like wildfire. Oh, to God that He would do it here in Chicago! A hundred thousand is not going to come because I get on TV and people think I smile a lot and I make them feel good. This is not a self-help message. This is a self die message. This is a, not a come and live your best life now. This is come and die and live Jesus' best life now. It's not about your wants and your desires. It's about our life for his glory. And in the midst of that, we get blessed. But some of us won't have a lot of blessings here. Some of us will suffer more than we'll be blessed here. But Jesus says that's all right because your momentary suffering here purchased for you an eternal weight of glory there. Eternal weight of glory there. I was watching a a documentary, uh, just a short video, about this missionary in the Congo. We are supporting. Some of you don't know this because we're going to talk about it later, but we took on some new missionaries in this church. We're We're supporting an agency that flies planes, throughout the missionary field, the the mission field, to people that can't get medical supplies and Bibles. And one of them is in the Congo. And this lady, she's so dear, she's an older woman, and, and, and she was there, and these robbers came in to steal the little bit that she has to give to the people. And when they pointed the gun at her, she tells the story. She says, I didn't believe that they would be willing to shoot me, so I pushed the gun away. I mean, this woman's so bold, praise God. And then as she was pushing the gun away, they fired it and they shot her. And they left her there for dead. But I want to tell you what, man, when that missionary came back, she went, first of all, she got healed. They brought her out from the plane, brought back in the plane. And when she came back, they had a party for the Christians there. And I just began to think to myself, who, who is excited that you're in their life? Who is excited that I'm willing to suffer for them? You see, because it costs something to, to serve people. It costs something to live for God. You've got to give up things. This woman gave up all of this. And these people in the Congo who love her understand this person's sacrificing for me. I wonder if they see that on your job. I wonder if people in your community know that. I wonder if people in this city know that we're here for them to lay down our lives. Somebody say, help us, Jesus. I want you to think about why we should make disciples. It's because Jesus Christ is shining through us. And now I want you to know how. How many people want to make disciples? Amen. We should be disciples that make disciples. Listen to what Jesus commanded us. Turn with me quickly to Matthew 28. I don't want you to think I'm making it up here. Look at it, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Look at your neighbor and tell him, tell him this is just... This is just the introduction. I got the offensive part coming next. This ain't even the tough part yet. This ain't even the tough part. I literally was going to tell you I got three introductions today because this part is still not the, this part is clear, but I got to get to where I got to get to today. I got to get to it. I got to get to where you live. I got to make this personal to know that I did my job today. Look at Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. Who are we to be like in this world? Jesus. Who are we to be like? Shout it out. Who are we? Jesus. That's who we're to be like. Now look at Jesus. Then Jesus came to them. Who is them? His disciples. He came to his disciples. He came to them. And he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus got it all, y'all. Kings and queens only borrow it for a time. Presidents and governments only borrow it for a time. Gang members on street corners only borrow it for a time. Nations like North Korea and China only borrow it for a time. Hell, Jesus has it all. And so, therefore, we should know right now our hearts should not fear because anything that happens is father-filtered. If I die on a mission field, it's father filtered. If people fire me from my job, it's, fired, it's father filtered. If people don't like me, it's father filtered. Whatever I do in this command, I can trust that God is with me because all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to that man. Therefore, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey some of the things I commanded you. How many things? Everything. And teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Here you see Jesus working backwards because he already has the disciples he's made. So if you see he's sending them now to go mentor others because he's connected to them. If you were to start it from the beginning, he connected to them, he mentored them, and then he sent them. When we look at the Bible, we see this pattern all throughout it. Some people uh, say, Pastor, is the word biblical, connect, mentor, sin? No, it doesn't have to be. Is, is the books that you write uh, biblical? No, they don't have to be. They're just our best way to try to do it here in this church. And I'll get to some of the things that I think about people who make those excuses in just a moment. But if you have a sincere question to say, Pastor, does it say in the Bible connect mentor sin? No, the Bible just says two disciples to go make disciples and he will be with them. I see that as connect mentor sin. When we look at connecting, Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. You see, the call of discipleship comes with the call of resting from your own selfish ways. The reason why, everybody look up at me, please. The reason why many of you are tired, the reason why many of you are stressed out, is not because you're doing so many good things. It's because you're doing it so many wrong ways and doing wrong things. You may be doing good things a bad way. Listen to me. Many of you are stressed out with your family, not doing it the right way. You're not raising a family the right way. That's why you're stressed out. Some of you stressed out with your job. You're not doing the right way. And then some of you have the wrong job. Some of you have the wrong things in your life, and you need to change them. Because here is the promise, not mine, but Jesus's. All those who come to him are free of their burdens and are in rest. So if I hear come from your potty mouth that you can't do discipleship because you are burdened, listen to me, you are not with Christ like you should be. And I'm not just talking to one or two of you. There's about 15 of you in this church that make that excuse quite often. I'm too busy. What you're saying is I'm too away from Christ. That is what you are saying, and I love you enough to tell you that. You will not... Come to Christ on Judgment Day and say, I was not bearing fruit because I was so busy. He will say to you, you prioritized the wrong thing. You were busy for the wrong thing. Your busyness is what burns you out, not me. Everybody look up at me so I don't hear any of this come out of any potty mouth here. Discipleship does not burn you out. Discipleship does not burden your life. Godly discipline is not the extra thing messing up your life today. You are messing up your life. And that's why you need to deny yourself. Take up the cross of Christ and crucify your flesh and follow Jesus. You follow Jesus until you meet him in the air or you meet him down there when your body dies. Not in hell, but you know what I mean. In the air or down here, you follow him. Get it out of your potty mouth. Get it out of your... If you you are not at rest, young child or older saint, listen to me, it's because you're away from Christ. Get close to Jesus. Either he carries burdens or this is a lie. Either he says you will have no burden and no weariness with him or he is a liar. How many think Jesus is a liar? How many think Jesus is telling the truth? So being connected to him, proves itself in our life because we're at rest. And we're free from the mundane burdens of chickens in the henhouse. We are flying on the wings of eagles. Some of y'all don't even know that's in the Bible. Y'all want to see that in the Bible? How many believe we should preach a little bit today? Amen. Amen. Mount up on wings like eagles. I'm tired of hearing people tell me how tired they are of being a disciple. I'm tired of watching you get whooped by the devil. If we're talking about what we're tired of, I'm tired of you making excuses. I'm tired of you living busted and disgusted. I'm ready for you to man up or woman up and live for Jesus like you got something to live for. Hello, somebody. Look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13. This is the Bible. This is somebody say, this is the Bible. This is not man's opinion. I want you to thank you. Look at this for me as I find it up here. Matthew, chapter, or excuse me, Isaiah. It's all in my heart right now. Matthew, Isaiah, come on, Jesus. Look at what it says here. Thank you. Help me out today. I need look at this. This is the Bible. <clears throat> he gives strength to the weary. If you say, I don't have strength today to be a disciple, you are not with Jesus. Stop making excuses. Jesus says he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Well, this is just a church of young people. That's why they're all disciples. No, even youths grow tired and weary even young people get tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. You think it was easy serving God in my 20s? You think it was easy to give up everything? No, I stumbled and fell. I made mistakes. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That's what's kept me for 20 years It's the strength of the Lord. My hope is in Jesus. Not my effort, not my ability to change myself, not my ability to make myself a disciple. God forbid. Only thing you and I can make ourselves is a mess. God makes disciples. Jesus makes the soul at rest. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He maketh me to lie down, rest in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters and restores my soul. Discipleship is your connection to a soul that is at rest. Discipleship is your connection to a restful life. Well, I don't know how to do it, Pastor. Well, that's why you got to be made a disciple. The same thing keeping you from discipleship, my dear friend, is the same thing keeping sinners from salvation. Your unbelief. Well, well, Pastor, I'll clean up my life and then I'll come to church. Well, Pastor, I'm going to do this stuff and then I'm going to come to church. It's like trying to wash your car before you bring it to a car wash. You bring it dirty and you get it washed. You come weak, and you leave strong. You come tired and weary, and you leave with the strength of the Lord. It says, they, these who wait upon the Lord, will soar on wings like eagles. That's what they're like. You look at the disciples in our church. They're just as busy as you. Their lives are complicated just like yours, but they are not going through it with a pity-patty party like some of you. And the reason why they're soaring on the wing, on the wind like an eagle is because they're a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's the difference. Some of you all don't even have time for the stories I could tell you i could tell you a story about Richard Wombrandt being in the prison cells of communism in Romania and all of these fake Christians being with him, and they would all turn their back on God. Once they told him, if you deny Christ, we'll give you a new job in the communist revolution. We'll take care of your family. They would leave They would leave just like that. They would leave just like he was watching them all drop like flies. He said one was a famous Christian singer, wrote hymns, sang in all the big churches. The moment they offered him a new gig at a university teaching music or whatever, he was gone, baby, gone. And some of you think you have what it takes to live for Christ, and you can't even suffer for him now. How will you suffer in the times when they get rough? You see, your strength is weak. Be strong in Christ. That's what we're teaching you in this church, is not to be strong in yourself, but be strong in Christ. I'm not saying, look at me. I'm boasting in my strength. I'm saying, look at Jesus. I'm boasting in his strength. It's time for us to stop making excuses and start trusting Jesus. It's time for us to take him at his word. How many want to take Jesus at his word? Amen. Think about this. How are we connected? Just real simple ways. You get born again. That's how you get connected and you find your soul at rest. How else? You stay connected. Remember we did a whole series on abiding? You abide in Christ. And then what do you do? You get connected to a good church. Now, see, this is where I'm going to have to skip ahead because I see time eluding me here. This is where i got to start stepping on toes right now. Because if you think MPI does not result in the will of God for your life, you A, are in the wrong church, or B, don't understand the role of the church. I'm going to say that again. If you're hearing me preach this to you and you're saying that is not for me, but yet I'm still a disciple, you either A, are in the wrong church or B, have no idea what the role of the church is because you don't get to pick and choose where God calls you to be. You go where God calls you. If you belong at Maranatha, then boot scoop, boogie yourself, and be there next Sunday. Are you understanding because don't tell me here you're not called to do this. Because if you say I come here but I'm not called to do this, you don't either understand the role of the church or you are in the wrong church. And I want everybody to look up at me, please. This is the part that brings the fear of God. I want, every, I want, to, make, I want to see if I can make eye contact with everybody here. This is what brings the fear of God. You made a funny face. This is what brings the fear of God to me. You see, when you give your hard-earned money to this church, my wife and I have then a deposit that comes from the bank account, the church bank account, to our bank account. not We don't take your money there and go put it in our bank account, praise God. But it goes into the bank, and then the bank makes a deposit with that money into my wife and I's account. How many think we should follow the Bible and take care of our ministers? Amen? There is nothing in this world that brings more fear of God to me than that. That I would waste what you have worked for that this church would not be what you are giving it to God to be. Because when you give, you're giving to God, not to me. But I am here called by God to be a part of that. And so when I receive, as the Bible says, a little bit of wheat, don't muzzle the ox, get a little bit of wheat to take care of my wife and family, I have one obligation at that moment. I better be who God called me to be here. I better be that person. I better be that person because I am now obligated to it. I have taken what belongs to God, or received rather, what has belonged to God and am given a mission to fulfill. And so if you don't understand what the church is, my friend, I will just teach it to you very simply right now. The church is the extension of Christ upon this earth. And what we do here as his bride, listen to what the church is called, the bride and the body of Christ. Could I tell you I value anything more than that? You'd say maybe your children, right? And we're called the children of God as well. But the church specifically is called the bride. My wife is the most important person, then my children, right? And then my body. If I don't have a body, I can't do anything for anybody, right? Jesus calls the church his body, and he calls us his bride. You can't say you love me and you hate my wife. You can't come to my house and be nice with me and then disrespect my wife and stay there very long. Hello. You could try it, but it ain't going to last very long. Do you know that people died in the church for lying? Do you know that Ananias and Sapphira died in the church for lying? Do you know that the Holy Spirit has said that the church will be the one thing that topples governments in the end times? And that we, the church, will judge angels? Those things that your relatives are praying to are really demons. But even if they were angels, you could tell your relative what you're trying to pray to, I'm going to judge one day. I will judge the angel, Gabriel. I will judge the angels, the Bible said The church of God is the new Jerusalem. Read the book of Revelation. So get connected to Jesus and his church. Can I hear an amen? The best way to do that is by attending this church and getting involved in life groups. We have life groups that meet weekly and monthly for your benefit. We understand that not everything we do as a church, you can do. So as your pastors, as your leaders, we try to set up what God has said a disciples should do at the very minimum you should come once a week on Sundays and at the very minimum you should join a life group once a month at the very minimum once again if this is not your church boot scoot boogie to another one amen number two mentor we are then to be taught everything Jesus taught now, here's where some people want to say, well, Pastor, are you guys perfect at this? No, but we're better than you are at it, and we're better at any church you will find in this city at it. Now, I'll tell you, I love every church in this city. Many of them are my friends, and some of them have used our books. So I'll tell you this. I'm just speaking like Michael Jordan when they asked him, if you were in your prime and you and LeBron played, who would, would you be able to beat him? And he said, no question. And I'm going to say the same thing here. There is no question. That this is the best discipleship church in this city. No question. No question. If that offends you, I'm sorry you like losers because we're winners here. And I'm not trying to be like Donald Trump, but I am going to get a little sassy here. We are not about losing here. We are about winning here. And business, discipleship, making business is the winning game of the kingdom of God. And I'm on that winning team, baby. I am not on the losing team of the latest church fad, the latest church trend. Keep them in church for an hour. Let them drink their cafe mochi lattes while they sit down. Don't have them worship long. Don't speak in tongues or you'll freak them out. I am not here playing the game like a loser. I'm playing the game like a winner because disciples win. We win in the end. We get rewarded in the end. And I remember God speaking this to me. Will you give your son to the mission field? Because some of my heroes have died on the mission field like Nate Saint and Jim Elliott. And God is my witness. I said right back to the Lord, only if you give me two so i can have another cuz i can't go through my older years without a son. And i believe God heard my heart for that. So i'm believing for another son. But that was my thing to the Lord just give me two sons cuz i will give one on that mission field, Lord. If i never saw him again. But God i i had i had some real talk with Jesus about that. See, this is real people. This is real gospel. You got to talk to Jesus. What are you willing to give of your family? What are you willing to give? What are you willing to do? I mean, this is everything now. And maybe God will ask you to go. I don't know. But we are here to make disciples, even if we don't go on the mission field. Amen? How do we have to look in our hearts as we make disciples? We have to be teachable. You can't come here and be a know-it-all. I don't know it all. And, and if you don't like the system of the books that, we, you know, one person went back there and he goes, you know, it's, he told me through his wife and his wife told me, my husband was upset with you because he said, all you got is books of yourself back there. Well, what books do you want me to put back there? What books? We're making disciples here. One day we'll maybe have a bookstore. We can sell a bunch of books. But right now we got a little book table and we want to tell people, this is what we bout. This is what we bout. Amen. This is how crazy people think. That's how people think. Amen? But you see, that's worldly thinking. I wrote, You know why I wrote the books? You want to know why I wrote the books? God, it's my witness. My wife's right here. Because I tried to give away their books, and they wouldn't let me give them away. And when I called them up, they wouldn't let me make photocopies of their book because they said it was copywritten. And I said, forget that. I went to Bible college. I will write these books and put them free online. And now they're being used in nations all over the world. I'll put up for you right here just another email I got from one of our brothers, our connections in Pakistan, Lahore, that's wanting now to, de- to translate our devotions into their language. It's happening all around us. Be teachable. We're all learning. Be accountable. You see, there's a difference between gossip in the church and and people putting you down for what you wear and silly stuff, but there's another thing to be accountable. We should be talking about our lives with people that we trust. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another, not like you do to Father Tom to be forgiven, but so that you may grow in your spirituality. Do you think if Peter had a problem, he would just run into a corner and be like, John, I don't want to talk about it. No, I don't want to talk about it. My goodness, help us, Lord. I was on Facebook one day and a guy was arguing with me. Well, you know, I, I think I can still be a Christian without accountability. Yeah, you could still run a race without one leg. You just won't get there fast, okay? I'm not trying to make fun of people with prosthetics, praise God. My wife's kind of limping along, you know, I got to be nice. But yeah, you can run a race with one leg, drag yourself, but two legs get you there quicker. Are we trying to figure out how much less, how little we can do of what Christ commanded and still call ourselves Christians? I thought we started off this realizing that in this world, we are like him, not that backslidden person who puts some meme up there to try to give you an excuse for living in sin. Don't just post dumb stuff. Post stuff that's encouraging for us to live holy. We're supposed to be a servant. We're supposed to serve. I'm supposed to serve you. I'm supposed to come early and stay late. So are you. We're all supposed to do that. We're supposed to all hunger and thirst for righteousness and for God. We're supposed to be disciples. How do we do that in this church? We do that through the 101 and 201. And so now may you hear the whisper of the Lord as Vinny comes, please. May may you hear the whisper of the Lord. Get in 101 or 201 or boot-scoot-boogie yourself to another church. Oh, pastor, that offends me. Thank you. I'm finally there then. Pastor, that bothers me. Praise God. Now you know what bothers me. Now you know what bothers me. Do we make mistakes in discipleship? Yes, but we work through it with disciples. Not people standing on the sidelines shouting at us, acting like they know how to play the game. No, you don't. Be quiet. you got a beer belly, and you don't know how to throw the ball. Hello. You want to play the game, show you want to play the game. You want to make us a better church, do it through 101-201. You don't want to do it, I'm going to stop repeating the point, but I think you guys get my point here. If you don't want to do it, go somewhere else. Save us all the time. Save me the time, save you the time. You face God on judgment day. I'm ready. Are you I'm ready to face God on judgment day for all that I have done here. I'm ready to face God on judgment day for how I spent your money and how I preached to you and how this church was built and how the leaders were led. I'm ready for that day. I have repented of the mistakes I've made. I am teachable. We just had a talk with Brother Juan in the back about people fellowshipping back there too long. And he says it's distracting because I see people coming in. We need to get our leaders back there. Yeah, there's things in the church we can all do to make this place better. I get it. But if you don't want it, you're in the wrong place. Because this is, listen to me, everybody be clear with me. I want this more than I want you here. Because you are just circumstantial. The vision is foundational. And pastor, you, you, you know, people, you better say the same thing to me. You better say that same thing. You better not just be here for me. You better say, pastor, you're just circumstantial. But my call to the Lord here is foundational. That means, pastor, if you want to play with your pickle and some girl, some woman that's not your, your wife's bed, you're out. Hello. Hello, because this ain't built upon a man. Pastor, you break your covenant to us, to your wife, you start stealing that money, you're out. Because you're circumstantial. The church is foundational. Amen. And then let me just say this before I send some of you boot scooting, boogying down to Maranatha or a new life covenant. You, You go to that pastor and you tell him how you left here. And then you look him right in the eye and you ask him, do you expect less or more from me here or the same? And I guarantee you, they'll say, I expect the same thing from you here. I don't know any pastor worth their salt that's gonna say, hear me preach about what we're important, what's important to us here. Hear me talk about what God called me to do here. And you sit on your holy backside and say it ain't for you. Show me any pastor that says that. I'll pay him $50 to come stand here and say it in front of all of you. Amen. I'll pay you find a pastor, I'll pay him $50 to come stand in front of you and say that. And then I will rebuke him something fierce up in this place. Amen. But let him come, make his five-minute spiel. Well, I just think the church just should have a place for everybody. And, you know, just this is not the way. Okay, say what you got to say. I understand all of that, but that's not what we're here to do. Yes, there's a place for everybody. Yes, we love everybody. But Jesus left some people. Jesus told some people, you can't keep coming on with me until you change. Hello? The rich man didn't keep following Jesus much longer after Jesus told him, sell everything you have. After Jesus pulled out a whip in the temple, they were upset. Hello. I'm not saying we have a permission to be mean. I'm not saying we have a permission to be terrorists or something crazy or hurt you or abuse you. I'm just saying we have a right here as a church to say this is what we stand for. This is what we're about. And if you don't like it, there's the door. And I guarantee you that many of you love it when you hear that. Why? Why do you love that? Let's just stop because it's not that you're sadistic. It's, the reason why you love it is the same reason why I loved going to Bible college and meeting the men that were in my life. It's because this is what they were saying to me. They were saying to me, whenever you show up here, I'm giving you everything. But if you don't want me to give you my everything, then don't play games. And so every day I showed up to that Bible college, every day I showed up to those places, I said, man, I'm here to give it my all. Let's go. And That's what church should be like. They sent them out to, Jesus sent out the who? Then the... Disciples went out and preached everywhere. The Lord worked with them and confirmed his word with the signs that accompanied. The disciples went out and what? Preached everywhere. How many disciples do I have in this place? Come on. Thank you, Jesus, for a church of disciples. I wish I could end on that note, but we ain't ready yet. That was a crescendo. Amen. Let's go. But I just want to share a few more things. Thank you, church. In all humility, thank you. I mean that from my heart. You can see I preached my heart out today. Thank you. Thank you for hearing it. When we go out, what do we do? We see the Lord. It's all about God. When I go out and preach, it's all about God. I see the harvest. I see that there's a hope. Even when people reject me, there's still a hope of more getting saved. I see the needs, and I start meeting those needs. The moment I started going out to the inner city of my town, Fort Wayne, I realized people needed food. I started bringing food with me. We know, I mean, I just could keep you here all day. You know how many needs are being met in this church? With the single moms, with the ministry to the west side, with the young people, so many needs are being met here. We have a Facebook page dedicated to meeting needs. Things are going across. I estimate somewhere around 100 different things are being given and received across our Facebook page every single month. About two or three a day needs are being met. And then you see your personal ministry. What can I do to meet those needs. And you own it. And things may change. Some of you may start in the nursery. Then you may go to the youth group. You then may go to the singles group. You know, that's great. Just be led of the Lord. That's why we give you those opportunities to find what works best for you because we feel that's going to make you the strongest disciple possible. But no matter what, you got to remember street evangelism is what Jesus did to make new disciples. I've heard all the arguments against it, but I've never heard anybody disprove it scripturally. And I'll pay 50 bucks for a pastor to try to disprove it that every Christian's expected to go and share their faith publicly. I'll pay $50 to see that. Amen? I'm telling you, I will put it on YouTube. I will have it go in slow motion. I will, I will pay to put it on Christian TV. I am telling you, listen to me. Don't let anybody lie to you. Jesus went on the streets. So do we. That's what disciples do. You don't have to live on the streets, but you better be willing to go out there. That's why we teach you in easy ways. On Saturdays, we do Bodiqua Fest, the real big one, where we all go out and give out arroz con condules and love the people. There are so many on-ramps, so many ways to merge into this if you really want to get on it. Amen? You say, Pastor, can I see it in the Bible? Absolutely. This has been the strategy throughout the Bible. You look at the Old Testament. Elisha was mentored by Elijah. He connected to him. He was mentored by him. He was sent out. You can see the scriptures. Peter obviously was mentored by Jesus, connected, you know, and sent out. Timothy, these men of the Bible were disciples. To me, the words don't matter. Just did they have relationship, did they get taught things, and did they go out and do it? Are you with me? The one word there, mentor and disciple, is in the Bible and connect if you have his remain is there. So, yes, they are still biblical terms. You've watched this wonderful video. Now I want to leave you with this. This was supposed to be the message, but it's going to have to be the conclusion. Can I get an amen? As they were walking along the road, a man said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. I know I hear that all the time. Jesus replied, look at Jesus. Jesus said, hey, come on, it's easy, let's go. No, Jesus said, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He's basically saying, you, you really want to come with me? Because we're sleeping outside right now. Do you know that when I'll cry, right? I'm t- I will cry like a baby if I think about all the sacrifice that people put into this church. These chairs, you know that these chairs cost $44 a piece. And there was a time we only had 20 people, Lada. Here's my beautiful friend from Brazil. Lada, we only had 20 people. And we had to buy 100 chairs. That's 4400 and some odd dollars. And do you know that people sacrificed? There was one young girl in the youth group. Her dad had died that year. And she had risked. This will make, me, I'm telling you, it will make me cry like a child what people have done. Jesus said, you want to be a disciple? We're going to sleep on the ground. We're not going to the palace. We're going to sleep on the streets. We're going to do whatever it takes to get this message out. And when we started this church, Jesus said, that's how, you, Joe, that's how I started. Go out there and do Likewise. This girl lost her dad. She had some of the guys here know her. Lost her dad, got some insurance money, and she wrote a check, a big check, almost for half of it. And that's how we bought chairs you're sitting on right now. Because a girl, instead of saying, I'm angry at God because I lost my dad, she said, here's some money I got from my dad's life. I'm going to honor him. I'm going to sacrifice my clothes, I'm gonna sacrifice buying something nice. I'm gonna give some some money to this. You know Leilani, who is married to Ellie, our youth pastor. You know how we met Leilani? It's because we started right in the front of this sidewalk, our youth group, with nobody. And we started handing out flyers saying we're starting a youth group. The first time only four people came, Adam was one of them. Four came. And one of those kids that came invited Leilani who lived right down the road and she came that next week and she has never left since. The youth group had 63 young people here Friday. Let's give it up for Jesus. Come
1: on. Woo! 63.
4: And they threw eggs at me that night too when I was out there because it was Halloween. I was handing out flyers. I'll never forget. You remember they threw eggs at us. 59 he said to another man now he's talking to somebody hey you come follow me but the man replied lord let me first go and bury my father You see, this is the ultimate excuse. So for everybody that has excuses, Jesus put this in the Bible for us. This is the ultimate excuse. Better than saying I gotta go to my job. Better than saying I gotta do laundry, which I've actually heard people say I can't be discipled because laundry is my only my only day, free day. I gotta do laundry and I don't have time for this. I've heard that, my friends. You better make time. Amen and make time for cleaning your clothes, don't come stinky, but if you could do anything, you better follow Jesus and be stinky. That's if you got to do it that way, then start that way, Amen. He said, here's the ultimate example. My dad died and I got a funeral to go to. You think Jesus would be like, "All oh, right, okay, of course, I understand." In this culture, all that—that's required of these people when they—they they died. It was crazy; they had to mourn for a few weeks. If this was a, it says it was a man. If you would have been the firstborn son, he would have to provide for his family. I mean, all of these responsibilities. And look what Jesus says. Look at what insensitive Jesus says. Let the dead bury their own dead. You go and preach, proclaim the gospel. Hey, son. Hey, hey daughter. This is what Jesus is saying. I gave your dad life. Now you get out there and start telling people about heaven and hell. Because dead people die all the time. And if they don't have Jesus, they don't have me, they're going to hell. Can you imagine that? The man, the audacity. If he's our creator, he's not a lunatic. He's our Lord. And it all but makes sense. And then Still another. Look at the example here. Still another. Said, Lord, I'll follow you, but can I just go say goodbye to my family? I mean, now this shows us the urgency. The first one shows us the sacrifice. The second one shows us the priority. The third one shows us the urgency. Okay, Jesus, I got it. You're the Messiah. We're going to the next town. I got my family, my wife, my kids. Hello, I'm putting myself in this man's situation. My wife, my kids are at home. Can I tell them goodbye? No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. He said, You put it first right now. You put it first right now. You send someone else to go back and tell them where you went. But you come now. So many of you make excuses when you're going to do it. Well, I'll do it then. I'll do it. how do you know you're going to live then? Well, I'm going to do it when I'm not so busy. This is the least busiest time of your life. Life only gets busier. Well, my life is so complicated. Well, let Jesus uncomplicate it. Put your hand to the plow now. And just, well, I'm going to come to church, pastor. I'm going to help out. No, come and put your hand on the plow and start proclaiming the gospel. Number one, just these questions I want to ask you to check your heart, and then i got a video to watch. Can we do this today? Come on. Come on. Let's Let's, let's give some time here. Jesus taught for three days. Are we disciples of Christ or are we modern consumers? Jesus taught for three days. That's why they all got hungry. He had to make some food. If I get you lunch, will you stay for three days? That's what they did with Jesus. Well, Joe, you ain't Jesus. Well, you didn't listen to the scripture. Because like in this world, that's who I'm supposed to be like. You're supposed to be like him too. Ask yourself these three questions. Am I willing to forsake all to be a disciple of Jesus? Some of you are not, and you need to stop playing around, and you need to say, yes, I am. Forsake it all. Number two, do I believe the local church is connected to my discipleship? That means, do you believe the local church has a say in how you are discipled? If it doesn't, you are in trouble because you are now saying, I'm going to disciple myself, which makes absolutely no sense. You cannot disciple yourself. I want you to see this here. I want you to see it. Hebrews 13, 17. Everybody say, preach, pastor. Come on. Hebrews 13, 17. Look at it clearly. I want you to see this. This is something I told you I fear God about because I take it serious. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. I want every pastoral elder to meet me up here quickly, please, because if you don't have confidence in their authority, Go submit to Pastor Choco because I have confidence with him. And you will not tell me he's not a good leader. So hush your potty mouth. Hello. I said, hello. Are you listening? If you don't have confidence in them, I'm telling you, I, see, I don't have to defend them, and I won't defend them up here, but I am I'm, I'm getting rid of lies and excuses. You don't want to be a disciple here. You go to Pastor Choco. You go to Pastor Toledo of Chicago Tabernacle. You go to Pastor Rosario of Maranatha, and you submit to them then. Hello? Because these men and women are worthy of your respect. And when they sin, or if they sin, they get disciplined, they get dealt with, because we don't take that lightly in this church. Have confidence in your leaders. Can you come stand behind me, please, because I need some confidence as I'm running late. I want you to see if they're being nice right now. I'm going to keep looking at the scripture. Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority. Well, I don't think you're ready for 201 yet. Well, I think I am ready. Well, I think you're not. Are you going to want to argue with them? Or are you going to trust their authority? See, we have a one-on-one phase and a two-on-one phase. Trust them. We're not running a race where we want to stumble and fall at the end. Well, I want to be in the youth ministry. Youth pastor says, I don't think you're ready yet. You trust them. You have confidence in your leaders. You submit to their authority. Are they the ones that get to make a decision whether or not you get to heaven? No. Peter's not standing by the golden gates. It's only Jesus. Hello. But they're supposed to have authority, and that's how we make disciples. Jesus told disciples, not the angel Gabriel, to go make other disciples. So men are supposed to have that authority. He said, all authority is mine, and he's given it to the leadership because this is what they're here to do, to watch over you as those who must give an account. If I put any of you in leadership before it is time, I'm going to be responsible for that. How many of you have been to other churches? You're tired of seeing people sinning in the pulpit. You're tired of seeing the youth leaders sin and still be in the youth group. You're tired of watching people go through divorce and they're still teaching marriage classes. Aren't you tired of gossip and hypocrisy in the church? So we're going to give an account. Do this so that their work their work will be a joy, not a burden, for how would that benefit? Because that would be of no benefit to you. And then what's the very next thing he says? What's the very next thing he says right here? Pray for us. Pray for us that we may be who God called us to be. Amen? There are no big eyes and little yous in the kingdom. We're all serving Christ together. Number three, do I know? Do I know, this is so important, do I know how to hear God's command to carry my cross in life versus my fleshly desire to live in comfort? Do you know the difference? Because your comforts can really deceive you. Well, Pastor, I'm not ready for discipleship. Is that what God said? Or is that what your flesh is saying? Pastor, I'm not ready to do evangelism on the streets yet. Is that what Jesus said to you? Is that what Jesus said isn't that something that Jesus says stuff to you guys all the time that I have never heard? I'm being honest. I have Some of the stuff you guys say Jesus said I have never heard. But yet he be saying that stuff all the time. And yet the same thing you say he says is what gives me a burden. So somehow you saying that doesn't make my job easier. Doesn't make their job easier. Yet you're telling me God said that to you? We believe in testing the word of the Lord here. 1 Corinthians 14, and John says, Test every spirit. Don't believe everything you see or hear. And then lastly, here it is Am I a disciple being discipled and making new disciples with the church God called me to do? The church God called me to. Am I a disciple being discipled and making new disciples? This is not Amway for Jesus, by the way. This is not a pyramid scheme. This is the command. So ask yourself, am I a disciple being discipled? Can I show you guys a movie before we go out that I think will say it a lot, a lot here? Amen, I'm going to show it to you, amen. Now at this point, it's up to you if you enjoy it. Can you get, the, get it ready? I'm going to set this up. This is from Band of Brothers. These men had just been through the worst battle at this time. And what had happened was, they lost a lot of people i'm talking a lot of people and the survivors are in this church hearing a choir sing to them and it just made me think of i just came up with this last minute while i was getting ready it made me think and i might i might cry like a baby right here it made me think about a poster that i have just grab it off my wall pastor bro grab me that poster i have as we're getting this ready please when we went to our new building, I asked our media team to put together a collage of people in the church at that time. We were about 100 people. We're over 200 now. But I was looking at that board, and it says, take care of my sheep because that's what Jesus said to Peter. And almost all of those people are gone. And I thought to myself, how does a church grow yet lose so many people? Can you hold it for him, Jared, please? Thank you. I'm not going to name names, but each one of these leaders have been there. See, the leaders stood with me. Watch. How can a church grow and yet lose so many of these people? I prayed for this couple. I put a Facebook post up on their Facebook. I said, I'm praying for you today. All these people, I can just see names and faces. And most of them didn't go to another church or just not serving God. And this is what I have on my wall. And I asked myself this question. How can a church grow yet lose so many people? And then Jesus said, it's the same way a battle is won in war. The enemy takes out a lot of people, but the soldiers keep fighting until the victory is won. Salvador kept fighting, and he's winning the victory. He was there in a home Bible study with four and he's still here today. These men and women were here when this picture was taken and now there are pastors. Cynthia was there when her leaders were leaving and now she is an elder in this church. That's how you win is you don't quit and you hang on. And that sounds like a Bible verse, doesn't it? Don't grow weary in your well-doing for if you do not faint, you will reap a harvest in due season. And I want you to see this Metro Praise in closing. That even though people may come and go out of your life, you're going to fight to the very end. Can I hear an amen? Come on, let's watch this and put it up so they can hear it.
1: I spent part of that night trying to come up with a roster for the company to see who we had left. We'd come into Belgium with 121 men and officers plus 24 replacements.
4: 120. That's
1: 145 total. We were going out with 63. Look at that. Garnier was badly wounded and Hubler died accidentally. Joe Toy had lost his leg. Among the dead were Heron, Mellet, Sawasco, Kenneth Webb, Harold Webb, Alex Pankala and Skip Muck. Our month in Belgium cost us one good officer, Buck Compton. And one bad one, Norman Dyke. But we gained a good one in the end. So I guess we came out ahead.
4: The thing that I want you to think about, because I know we've had a lot of excitement here today, is the thing I want you to think about, you can leave the lights off, please, is whether or not you're going to finish your race. Are you going to let the enemy take you out? Or are you going to finish? You gotta finish, saints. We all gotta finish. I've got to finish. You've got to finish. We gotta stop making excuses, man. And we gotta do what Jesus called us to do. And I said it at the beginning, I want to say it at the end. This is the greatest thing you will ever do in your life is be a disciple of Jesus Christ that makes disciples. This is the greatest call, a call to friendship with Him and a call to bear fruit for his name, bringing glory to the Father. I don't want to get political with you and and sway your vote in any way, but I was listening to a video about Mark Rubio as he's running for president. Someone challenged him on his faith, and you can watch the video. But the long story short is he says, man, we need more Christian people to influence this world and not be ashamed of it. And for whatever reason he said it, for whatever political reason, that's not my interest today. But it was just a a conviction in my heart saying, man, would I stand up that boldly and say the same? When everything comes down to it and it's my job at stake or it's my friendship at stake, will I boldly say it's all about Jesus? It's all about him. Because that's why we're here. Because he found us and said, come, follow me. Would you just close your eyes and remember that time you came and followed Jesus for the first time in an attitude of prayer. Now we're going to get our band up here and altar workers, thank you pastors. We're going to close out, but just remember that time he called you. Where were you? How old were you? Were you in a church service? Were you in your house? What was it like when Jesus brought you into his, his love, into his salvation? And and as you think about that, what was it like in your life? What changed that day? What wasn't the same anymore? What did you know immediately was different? And now I want to ask you with that in mind, Christians, are you willing to now be his disciple and follow him? If you are not a believer in this place or have not yet made a decision to follow Jesus, you have heard the greatest possible message you could ever hear to call you forward and do it. So I beckon you to come as well today. But listen, both Christian and non-Christian must do the same thing today and decide to follow Jesus. Let us not forget what he did for us let's not forget that. And today if you're here and you're tired, you're weary and you're saying pastor, I don't know, this bothered me. You you offended me. I thought it was cool when I was listen to. I I adjure you. I compel you. I command you pray and seek the father and ask him for rest so that you can come back and be the disciple he wants you to be. Don't give up on this church just because we offended you. You should thank God for the offense. The Bible says, better an open rebuke than hidden love. Better a trainer who comes and checks out your diet and sees your workout than that person who just takes your money and doesn't care what you do in the gym. Love that trainer because they care for you. Now, if you have to pay him, now it's a business deal. But I'm talking about if you met a trainer who said, I'll do this free of charge. That's what the church offers. Free of charge, be a disciple. We care for you. 30 more seconds, you and God today. Don't let, that was my biggest desire today, remember. Don't let my passion overshadow the whisper of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Because you can't do this for me. I won't allow you to. I won't allow you to. That's one of the things that we make sure in this church. That's why if you notice, there's not a lot of fanfare for me here. There's people who love me. Don't get me wrong. People love me in this church. But if you notice, if you've been around, there's not a lot of people always singing my praises and building me up like that. Why? Because we taught them not to exalt man above Jesus. We've taught them to call me Joe because you could call him Jesus. Yes, I'm a pastor. Yes, I'm doing this. You can teach your children to respect me, but I am Joe. Paul was Paul. We don't need titles here. We walk worthy of our calling. That says it all. If it doesn't say it, a title means nothing to us. I'm a pastor of permission, not of position. 30 more seconds. Are you following what Christ wants you to do here? Don't get offended and leave out of here. Get offended and be changed. Don't leave out the same way. Come on. Look at your heart. I got fingers pointing back at me as I'm pointing them out across this congregation. I'm searching my heart. I don't want to, Paul, Paul said it like this, I don't want to tell you to run your race and me fall short of mine. I don't want to teach you to box the enemy and then all I'm doing is boxing air, shadow boxing. I don't want to run my race and at the end miss the crown having, after having preached to others. That's why the Bible says not many of you should be teachers because we will be judged more severely. Come on, count it down right now. Count it down. Any excuse you have, count it down. Say, three, two, one, I'm living for Jesus. I'm getting rid of that excuse. I'm getting rid of that excuse. I'm running now. I'm running, Jesus. No holding me back. No, No excuses anymore. Just right now in your heart, are you willing to go and make disciples? Are you willing to join Jesus on the battlefield? You know, we sung a song today, and a part of it was wrong. I have to correct it. It said Jesus carried the cross alone, and that is not true. As as, as, um, romantic as it sounds or as special as it's not true, another man carried his cross. You remember the story, many of you. Simon of Cyrene, he was an Ethiopian. Why do I think that story is in the Bible? Because Jesus told everybody to carry the cross. Simon represented the church, represented disciples. Jesus is now looking at this generation saying, Who will carry the cross for me now? Who will carry my cross in this generation? Would you stand if you're willing to do so as we dismiss We won't keep you longer. I'm not here to do a long altar call. The preaching has said it all. This is how we'll end, saints. I love you so much than to manipulate you with me screaming and hollering trying to get you to come up here. I won't do that. I refuse to do that. This is how we're going to end. I'm going to pray a simple prayer again of dismissal, dismissal. And if you want to come to know Jesus as your Savior, come up and get prayer. If you want to come up and commit to discipleship, all these leaders also do discipleship. Come up and start. And if you fall into any of those issues of of excuses, let us pray for you today. Other than that, when you walk out this door, I'm going to have one image in my mind as you do that, that I am sending you out to be a disciple that makes disciples. That's what I'm believing today. Father, thank you for bringing us all here. As we close out.